0: Welcome to Season 8 of a Vietnam Podcast, sharing the stories of people connected to Vietnam. My name is Neil McKay, and I've been living in Vietnam since 2016 and hosting this podcast since 2019. I wanted to know more about the people that are connected to Vietnam, both Vietnamese and foreigners, in Vietnam or around the world, and share their story. My guest today says she is just another lesbian in town. But she is actually the owner of Twist Coffee Bar in Taodin, the place for everyone, but also a safe space for LGBTQ+. A recent story in Vietnam ran with the headline, it's not working, sex education makes teachers and students squirm, followed up by another story about a parent finding her 12-year-old child had been watching pornography. So today with my guest. We're going to be discussing many things about Vietnam, but specifically we're going to be talking about sex education here in Vietnam. So my guest today, thank you so much for joining me, is Phung Kwe Trung. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Neil. And then have the, hello to everybody. I hope you have a good day. I mean, after this, you will have a better day, I hope. <laughs>
0: Well, so tell me more about Twist Cafe because it's a a hopping spot I see frequently. I've tried your cocktails, which are delicious. So tell us more about that. How did that start, and how's it going?
1: So I last month it was six years of me having the 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 business, but the bar, which is like roughly about two year and a half, three years, because before it was a a coffee shop. And the first day, it's actually we. Me and my ex-partner were just running a tricycle on the street, selling some coffee. And then after the first year, we moved into a space. And then, then since that moment, on, I always have space up to this day. And yeah, and, and, and after that, we have like a business breakup. So I, I now the, the whole thing is mine, so I just want to turn it into something more me. More welcoming and and more LGBT friendly, and you know when you
0: started that six years ago, did you say? Yeah. So now you know, Saigon is a very opening, open and welcoming place. In my opinion, I'd be interested to hear though if yours is different. Well, you must have been really at the forefront of having a specifically LGBTQ plus friendly location.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, actually, it just turned it just turned into a LGBT friendly bar about three years ago. Before I have like a um, a French. Partner and he's quite traditional French business partner, so we focus in coffee and serving every customer. I'm still serving every customer, but I know that i wanna I wanna focus in serving my people for my community so as I mentioned yeah, and deep... it, yeah, and then six years ago, I think there's a few maybe a few but very rare businesses that have the LGBT elements in it, to be Um, honest.
0: So what what did that mean then? What was the change from being traditional, as you said, to then being LGBTQ plus friendly? Like, how did that, what did that change mean for the business? How did that look
1: like in real life? So I think it's a really big jump. At the beginning, it was just coffee. We're just selling coffee and then after i have the business break up i don't want to do the same thing uh, like he we did before so i want to like plan the business a little bit and have like a, a wrench, uh, a bigger space and then i try to make it like as gay as i can and then as uh, charismatic as i can so i put on paintings and black and making sure that I'm there every day that uh, people know that uh, it is owned by the gay owner. And it's I think it's a big jump, you know, like the 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 amount of the customer change, uh people start to drink alcohol and I I never know what like serving alcohol and then they have a bar and then you understand and then you become an alcoholic and then you have fun basically every day. You know, <laughs> I love my job.
0: That's awesome. In that process, did you lose any customers? Were there any customers that were turned off and didn't come back? No,
1: I don't think so. If they they don't come back, I think it's because maybe I fucked up with the coffee one time, two times, or my staff being, or something like that. Or maybe they move out of the country, or it's just not their place at the beginning. I don't think uh, the fact that I turn it into more of a gay play will make, me lose any customer. I think it's let me gain more customer than lose customer.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I I can see that from how busy it is every time I go by. I mean, it's good to know that you didn't have any kind of well, uh, obviously bigoted people. But so that leads me into my next question because so I've been here six years, and from what I can see, and from what I've heard from other people, but I, I you know I could be wrong, is that Saigon, and I don't know about the rest of Vietnam, and I'm sure it's very different in the country, but Saigon being a big busy cosmopolitan for vietnam city it's very welcoming of lgbtq plus community from from one thing i've learned in the past and i I don't know if this is true though that it's more that people almost turn a blind eye to it so it's not that it's there's not maybe so much open discrimination but there's also not maybe as much acceptance of it as a thing if that makes sense someone told me this before it's just like maybe from more older traditional Vietnamese they won't recognize that that you're gay or whatnot it's just that they're okay with it is that is that an accurate depiction or am I completely false there
1: I think it's also depend on on who are we talking about like which generation are we talking about so if if we're talking about the older generation, uh, for example, my mom, people in their sixty, seventy, you know, like really old people, maybe like forty, then it's going to be a little bit different the way they look at us, you know. But but I think for in general, we got accepted way much more, and 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 I came out very early. I came out when I was eighteen, I think so i and then it's been like 10 years i can and i can see the the progress of a gay gay person like living in saigon and and also because i have a boss so i know a lot of people i see a lot of people every day at different age different generation uh but mostly like people my age or a little bit younger even my staff they like in their 20s like they're 21, 22 now. They're super open about it. I mean, some of them still have the kind of like, oh my God, I can't turn gay. Oh my God, I was almost gay. And I was like, yeah, good for you. I mean, I think gayness turn you down, not you turn gayness down. <laughs> like laughing, you know? Like, What does that mean though? I, I uh,
0: almost went gay. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, she she was like, Oh my God. When I, the first time I break up with my first boyfriend, I was so sad. So I got on Tinder and I almost have a relationship with a woman. I almost go and see her and probably will have sex with her. And I was like, Oh my God, you missed that, Jen? <laughs> like really? <laughs> but it, 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 it was fun. It was a lady that have different mindset, but very open right now. Like mm-hmm. all of them are basically like uh, pretty open. Their own, they actually. I mean, maybe first time they see you, they will feel like a little bit like not, not feeling well with their eyes, for example, like oh, why you're going? You look like a boy. Why you're going? You look like a Well, this is so bizarre. But after a while, you know, I think after times kind of like interacting and talking, and they will just understand. Also, it's not their business. Usually, they're just like. Yeah, it's okay. I'll just look a little bit. Vietnamese people like to look. They like to stare. We like to stare. I've if we see something that is what we like not normal, then we would just look. Like looking at a white guy. Or <laughs> well, like you, a, a black bar, you know.
0: Do you know the phrase rubble necking?
1: No. What does it mean?
0: So this is a phrase, and I apply this, like you said, Vietnamese people love to stare. I apply this often when there's like an accident on the road or maybe even like a fight by the side of the road or something happens. You know what it's like, Vietnamese traffic, everybody stops. Like everyone stops to look and see what's happening. So because you have to turn your neck so quickly to to look, it means rubber neck, like your neck is made of rubber. (laughs) So you look really quickly to see what is happening. So I, I've always seen this, the Vietnamese people love to rubble neck where, where they stop in traffic to like see what's going on. And suddenly there's more danger because everyone stopped to see the accident rather than the, the accident. So I can imagine yeah. what you're saying about Vietnamese people looking. But so this is, I think it's, it's just such an amazing thing that I've seen over the years that I've been here. I, I think probably perception of people from around the world, myself included, Southeast Asian country, you would just think that it would be uh, not accepting of the LGBTQ plus community, that it would be really conservative, that it would be a kind of hidden thing, especially coming from, you know, the US is so right wing in places and then the UK and every, every, every Western country has very right wing, vocal, anti-gay elements. So coming here, and again, correct me for a moment, I don't see that vocal, anti-LGBTQ plus kind of people because it does just seem that people accept it i've heard before as well there's not really much discrimination i've i've worked in businesses companies with openly gay people there's never it just doesn't seem to be like an issue at all whereas i feel like in the uk and the us it's probably more accepting now but even when i was growing up it wasn't am i right in that in that opinion or have i got it completely wrong as well
1: I think you're correct I mean as as you can feel that 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 we actually treat other people in a way of like, Oh, I don't know you much, so uh, there's nothing I can say about you, even though you look gay. I actually a few times got teased which is actually pretty nasty, I think, like, very fucking sexist. That, like, there's a, a bunch of, like, two or three guys just walking down the street. I was walking against their, their uh, direction, and they're just like, oh, what is this, boy or girl? Let's just go grab her book to see if it's a boy or a girl. And I was like, I was so pissed. But that was just, like, very rare, like, 10 years of being gay. This is, like, the maximum I can get. And I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about like being gay. They're just being rude. If yeah. you see somebody being, you know, they're just rude. It, would not, it girl, wouldn't matter who would, you
0: are. They would just be rude, no matter what you girl, look like. like
1: well. They will have the same interest of like grabbing my book or something like that, right? So I, I think it's the, the the people you are around and uh, at some like specific situation that you might feel sexism in Vietnam, but in general, big time, I think we're pretty chill. We find a very chill country that get intense sometimes, but we're pretty chill. Mostly.
0: <laughs> that, that, do I, no, I mean, in my opinion, looking at it, it's that's a good, uh, a good description. Vietnam is pretty chill. But very intense at other times, and that you kind of see that play out quite often where things just kind of going along nicely, and then all of a sudden it's like, "Wow!" It goes, it goes crazy. Um, yeah. But no, no, it's good, and it's even I've noticed recently, just very, very recently, more young people, especially coming I guess as coming out as trans people you know I was in a shop recently and it was a guy dressed as a girl I think I've seen girls dressed as guys not sure where they are on their gender journey or whatnot but even that was just a a year or two well I guess we've been locked up almost for two years but I mean pre-pandemic and stuff it wasn't something that I noticed very much is that something that's becoming more prominent in Vietnam as well as it becomes more prominent around the world?
1: Um, I think it's, well, so first of all, like people got locked up for a really long time. <laughs> and I remember the first day that I, I went out to District 1 with my girlfriend just to, to like have some lunch or something like that. And we would dress up so well. We just like, oh, I can't wait to like put on my beautiful clothes again. <laughs> Been no in your pajamas for months. months? Yeah, yeah, Right. And then we just like dress up like, so well, like model walking down the, the streets. And, and like, we got stuff from like a, a young uh, journalist, a uh, group that said, like, Oh, can we take the pictures of you? And, and uh, can you tell me like, is this like uncomfortable for you now to wearing such clothes? And I was like, what do you mean uncomfortable? Of course, if you compare to like the pajamas I wear in the last six months, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable. But without and out on the street, you know, we just want to show ourselves. Mm. I think after the COVID time, you know, people would just like pay more attention to themselves and trying to show what it's been hitting like all all the time. Also because of COVID and also because of like, I mean, you survived a pandemic, you know, you're still alive, you know, why shouldn't you be? Beautiful and unique to look at. I That's think, and it's going to be like we keep rising. It just will, will we just mm. keep rising. Vietnamese people don't have such like a crazy sexism towards gay people. And wearing whatever you like will be appreciated by someone. So I think it's going to be like Vietnam is going to be like a full-on uh, gay country, just like Thailand. Yeah, but less surgery.
0: well we'll see where we go in in 20 years time right but so i mentioned that at the beginning though so we're talking about saigon which i've made this mistake about a thousand times on this podcast and in real life where i often say vietnam xyz talk about it and then i realize i'm actually talking about saigon because obviously vietnam's a massive country huge amount of ethnic very diverse almost different languages so I, I always uh, apply this label of Vietnam when I mean Saigon. So we have been, for once, I've specified Saigon. but So everything we've talked about, but how would that play out in the countryside, for example, or more rural regions like the Mekong Delta? Or, you know, would it be the same attitudes? Because I've heard stories as well about, obviously, and you you maybe have as well, of people leaving these regions because they're not going to be accepted there. So they come to uh, Saigon, uh, the big city, which is makes a lot of sense. So how how the general Vietnamese attitude outside of Saigon towards the LGBTQ plus community?
1: Um, I understand that. Well, I mean Saigon is not the only place in Vietnam, and and we also have like the north and the central and the south, right? And I mean, I I think it's also it's also depends on how people react to new things. And because like we are in Saigon, like the first new thing, it will be like what we we get to know about first. And 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 we see it every day. So it's very easily and quickly become not a new thing anymore. But people in the rural area, like uh, in the Ming Tai and in the, in the the the, the West. Ming Tai is like the West, right? Yeah, the 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 West of, of Vietnam, of the south, and also like in the middle, even like in Hanoi or Unhano, you know, it's like super traditional city. It will be LGBT and the and the gay people will be looked different for sure. Because other people they they haven't seen much of us. The gay the the gay people are not it's not that they're not many there, but they are more hidden. Also, because it's strange to them, it's new to them, to the gay person themselves. And obviously it's new to everybody around in that rural area. So the, the, the way that we are being accepted is a little bit less, but I don't think that will be, it will be way much less and way too much more intense. You know, people in the rural area, they usually like more naive and like less aggressive tied up you know yeah we are the one who, in the in taigon we are we are the one who have more experience and we like actually if it comes to a craftiness and and uh, intensity you know we are the best i love that way of, i love that
0: way of looking at it it's not uh because i mean you know what it's like in the in the US, the more rural you go, I think I, I would be, people might think I'm an idiot for saying this, but the more rural you go, the opinions become more conservative. I was going to say the IQs get lower, but that might be a bit harsh. Maybe the IQs don't get lower, but the more rural you go in, in places like the States or Australia, the more conservative people come. But I like your, your, the way you put that. It's not really that people in Vietnam are necessarily more conservative, it's just they've not experienced it before so it's it's just uh yeah that's a good way to look at it. So before we quickly move on to talk about another subject quickly give us your top LGBTQ plus bars and venues to visit apart from Twist Cafe in Saigon. Go.
1: It's a unicorn clothes, right? I would I would highly uh recommend Fry Coffee and uh but I think it's also like dry bar or something like that on Jun Dow. Owned by Derek, a yep. very very gay guy, and he also married to a very very weird, bizarre and unique Vietnamese boy. His name is uh, Kuan. So yeah, they married and they open like a a bar on yeah, with- Down Street. But I haven't I haven't been there yet. I want to. I just don't have the time to. Yeah. And also, it's like. Betraying if I go to another gay bar, you know. betraying, betraying your betraying own bar. Own. <laughs> that's how I feel. No, he, Derek, used I own,
0: Derek used to own. own whiskey and whales, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. That that's Derek. So I would highly recommend. Like, if you' looking for a gay place to go, you should go to Derek, and he's like one of the coolest person I have known.
0: I've not met him, but yeah, I've heard good things. I have a funny story about that. When my wife and I first arrived in Saigon like, like literally six years ago, Perfect. we were looking for a bar to go to one night, and we lived near nearby Vienna at the time. So we were around that area, and we found this bar, I guess on Google Maps or whatnot, called Whiskey and Wales, And You know, we like a whiskey as well. So we're like, oh, let's go check out this bar. So we went, cool place. And we we're just talking, it's just me and my wife. And then she's much more observant than I am. And she, she's like, Neil, I think this is a gay bar. I was like, what? Nah. Didn't know, paying no attention. What? And then she's like, look, it's all really good looking guys, either on their own or with another guy. They're all really like just good looking gay guys. And I looked around the room and I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe it is. Yeah. She's like, I'm the only female here. And then so we googled it, and it, the first website that came up was like I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a really famous website that told you gay bars around like kind of Southeast Asia, like to to give safe yeah, yeah, yeah. spaces for, to give safe spaces for people traveling who are LGBTQ plus to visit, and like the number one was Whiskey in Wales, and they just kept going on about how handsome the owner Derek was, and. <laughs> how amazing it was. And she so was like, Yeah, we are. I mean, so we had no problem with it, obviously. We were just like, Oh yeah, we've uh inadvertently walked into uh one of the most popular gay bars in Saigon and it was amazing Yeah. unfortunately
1: it closed now. Yeah, I think it has but I just yeah. But then that he opened a new uh Pride Cafe bar. So that's where I will go, maybe probably next week
0: awesome well let's move on to what we what I mentioned in the beginning the most awkward topic in the world to talk about whether you're an adult a teenager well a teacher sex education so I mentioned in the beginning so just last week some headlines have come up it's been a topic that's been I've read about it several times in in Vietnam the headline that came up came out just last week was it's not working sex education makes teachers and students squirm and saying the teachers weren't comfortable with it and the students weren't comfortable with it. So, obviously, I have no experience of sex education in Vietnam. I I barely had sex education when we were growing up. I mean, we had it in high school, but, I mean, I don't, it's not, it was like putting condom on a banana or something like that. I don't remember it being in any great detail or or of any use (laughs) but what so first of all i guess first question is what for you growing up what was sex education if it if it existed at
1: all i think that the first official sex education i had was anywhere where i was was when i was i think 14 at school and they 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 gather like all of the students of ninth grade coming to like the school hall and have one, one, one woman, one teacher woman talking about like, okay, so the sex is the uh, intercourse between men and women and using your secret part to put in your other secret part. And I was like, oh my God. The fun fact is that I know about porn and a full on porn watcher since I was Eight. Just because I have, I have a brother that's six years older than me and he always brings porn home and he doesn't know how to hide it in our computer. So I just like turn it on and well, watch it, not really understand much of it. But I, 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 but then I find that it's like a sexual action and I think it affects me until now that I just becoming you know, a sexual person. Which I like, no complaints. <laughs> I love it. Not love that I'm a sexual person. And, but I also find that because I have those experience from very young age all by myself, you know, that I learned about things like that when I was eight, I think that helped me a little bit of fighting myself and like protecting myself. You know, like when you, when you, when you were eight, you, you watch porn and then you realize that you like the woman more than the man. Mm. So that is how I think that it helps a little bit with my uh, uh, sexuality path. Also, like, I know that also, so those are, those are the parts that you are not allowed to let anybody touch it, you know, and like, and when you are grow up and then you can do it. And there's a way to do it. Like many, many different ways that intercourse, and um, that's like, uh, and you can see like there's a protection, you know, in the middle. I wouldn't say that you should do that to your kids and turn porno for them when they was eight, but maybe just a straightforward conversation and maybe like a little bit of a demonstration on video, good enough for them. Plus. Like in this time, in this time of internet, you can't stop them from reaching to whatever they want to look for, you know. And but the the point of sex education is not to put prevent them to have sex, but to make sure that if they have sex, it's safe for them.
0: Yeah, I I think. And it must be intriguing, right? Because you so you like in, in your case, and then even in the cases I've read about online, if the teachers are then teaching them sex ed at 14, but they've maybe been accessing that kind of material online since they were 8, 9, 10, 12, it almost seems a bit redundant mm. then, doesn't it? To then be trying to teach them about stuff that they've been watching for years or whatnot. I don't know what the solution is to it. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know, I mean, we're thinking of like having kids and I think it's different for if you teach education for a boy and it's different if you teach the education for the girl, to have sex education with like boys and girls are different, obviously that both of them need to know how to protect themselves. But also they need to like their position in the sex relationship, like a sexual relationship. Like, okay, so I'm a boy, like, what should I do? And Like, okay, I'm a girl, what should I do? So we can both protect ourselves. Mm. And uh, I don't, I, I really don't have any to like how you should do it. Because the way I learn it, you cannot learn it from from that way. <laughs> it's not the, 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 I think it's not the most ideal way to learn about sex. But, but I'm happy because I have that education. I have that sex education. From young age, and I know that from that moment on, I have less of a risk to make mistakes
0: mm-hmm.
1: than make like a positive you nothing know, not about sex, which I have met a few but they also find it just they just really late like having sex in life.: So in this article it
0: talks about the teachers being uncomfortable with it. should teachers be uncomfortable teaching this stuff or is it do you think it's just? The material they are teaching is wrong and makes it uncomfortable.
1: I think they, they like like they 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 feel uncomfortable because they think it's weird when you talk to someone so young and and about something that has been last forever in the humankind, <laughs> you know, or like the nature. It's it's just a normal thing. It's it's hard to start the story with, and it's ha- it's hard to pass the desire to feel like, Oh, I really like sex. You guys should like sex too, you know. And this is how I do this. Of course, it's not going to go that fucking way. But but that, there's like, oh, sex is a new thing, you know. It's just like the way that they, they just feel uncomfortable because they make it weird to themselves. Mm. to themselves not to the student the student is let's say they're at like a white blank space or not actually they probably know enough already so you just need to jump in and confirm if those information are right or wrong thanks to your experience of being a teacher and being like grown you know just don't be weird about it like you make a joke and sometimes you make a joke. Right? We'll have
0: some clones, clowns, sex
1: educators.
0: Then. and then it's not funny. It's just, it's just yeah, such it's a just, difficult. not weird. It's such a difficult topic, right? Because you know, it, it's awkward for parents, awkward for the students, awkward for the teachers, and and I, it's funny the point yeah. you make. It's not like, hey, I love having sex. This is how I do it. You should try this. Like, it's. I mean, if I far remember my sex education, it's just literally like okay this is how you do this there's nothing about like the desires or the wants or like the feelings or or how to do or anything like that it's all just like okay this goes in here and then don't let that stuff come out because then she's gonna have a baby and then like it's just very like so (laughs) sex is like the best thing in the world but it makes it out to be like just this robotic kind of like like
1: Actually, like sometimes, like that the adults make sex into like something so sinful, something so so taboo, you know well, and, that's... and like you have to be honest to yourself that you personally and me also love sex, you know, we would die if we don't have sex for like but... a week or two, you know, would you know so why did he make it? Make Have them try it themselves, but like, just tell them like, oh, before you try it, you should know about this. And that's it. You know, everybody know. I mean, like the kids, they have like their IQ, their brain is basically like fully function. They yeah. know how to do puzzle. You know which piece roll well, into which piece, you don't have to teach them. Like, hey, you have to put A and B. They already know that A, have to go to B. but They don't know about, like, you know? So <laughs> what we're trying to teach them is to teach them to see. the not getting pregnant thing. Or getting, well, pregnancy is not as scary, I think. Also, like, I think that's like STD is more scary to me.
0: Yeah, maybe. Well, an STD can be for life. I guess a kid can be for 18 years and then you can send them on their way. no. <laughs> You made a good point there, which I just always forget, right? You said about it being sinful. And as we're talking, though, so I'm not religious, never have been. Religion has really almost played no part in my life. So I just forget about it. And you've just met them when you mentioned it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why it's weird. Because there's so many religious people in this world who have made sex, this weird, awkward thing that we can't talk about. And it's taboo. And it's like. It's just wow. I forget about that that religion actually has to the to most probably the biggest effect on all of this, especially from the western world i how How would you see because we have you have a big Catholic population here, right, Christian population, sorry, but mostly Buddhist in Vietnam, right how has that how mm. has the religious how has the religious aspect had an element on sexual discourse in Vietnam. Mm.
1: I think it's, for Vietnamese, it's not really re- religions related to sex, to be honest, but because of Buddhism, we believe in, in karma. So what we believe the most is karma. If you do good things, good thing happen to you. Mm-hmm. And if you do bad things, bad things happen to you. So we just based on that one thing, one rule, one biggest rule to decide what we should do to our partner. Like oh you we better treat our partner nice, and if you treat them bad, you know like bad things will happen to you. I think so, and also like you you cannot really have like a, a an abortion, you know, because like now it's like a really bad thing will happen to you. You know, you take away like somebody' lives, so that is what like freak. I think like freak the the pregnant the table intercourse the most, like for me, I never have to worry about it. No matter how hard I try, I cannot make up pregnant, but like also because of that, they afraid to have sex because if if you're pregnant, you cannot have an abortion and you have to like keep the baby for 18 years or even more, you know, but I don't, I don't think that like religions is something that, that stop us from having sex Mm. really.
0: I think religion in Western countries has a a lot to answer for on that. But so enough about sex education in Vietnam. Let's move on to the final questions of the podcast. We ask these at the end of every episode. They change every season. So these are the questions for season eight. So if you could travel anywhere in Vietnam for a week, where would you go and why? One week, right? Yeah, you have to stay there for a week.
1: Uh I will go to. I think I'll choose Hazem. But yeah. Because like first of all, I haven't been there, and I know that it have like beautiful sightseeing, yeah. and I love riding a motorbike up the mountain. So oh, I think it has all of the elements that I like, and usually it's pretty cold. So the food when when it's cold when you eat is just
0: better food <laughs> I think yeah so I've done it and it is just it's the phrase you know like words cannot describe it is made for this place it, it's so stunningly beautiful there's nothing I can say I don't know the vocabulary to describe how unbelievable it is that's how unbelievable it is so yeah you should absolutely go there and, you, and you're right like you don't have a cafe when you're there you have a cafe suanom because it's You've got to have a hot coffee when you're up in the cold mountains. It's so good. I would definitely recommend that for sure. Now, we got tourists coming back to Vietnam. Some of them are back already. I don't know if you've met any yet. I thought I saw two people today. I didn't recognize them. You feel like you recognize everyone in Vietnam because we've all been stuck here for two years. And I got my kum tam for lunch. And the reason I think there was a tourist is I've never seen anyone eat kum tam so awkwardly. This older white guy who's holding the plate with one hand and then like off the table and then kind of like eating it it was just weird I was looking at him and his wife and I was like I'm pretty sure they're tourists this is so exciting but that's the weirdest the weirdest way I've ever seen anyone eat come (laughs) so I was like he's no way he's a a, like a local expat but so what advice would you give to any tourists coming back to Vietnam? Not
1: too much advice it's Live your life. Oh long when you survive a fucking pandemic? It, you should, now you just should live and enjoy every moment passing by. And I think Vietnam is a very enjoyable country. Oh, very sure. enjoyable. It's so Meet people, exciting. talking to them. Don't forget to smile. Yeah, and don't forget to to have every moment of your life worth it. That's it.
0: I like it. Yeah. I mean after these two years that is a great advice. Now, what advice would you give to someone
1: thinking about moving to Vietnam? I don't know. I never really moved to any I never think of I will move to another country. So I don't know what advice to give. But if you if I can give like an advice, it's like you know people are very friendly and they and we 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 give you what we take. So if you smile to us, we'll smile to you. If you be nice to us, we'll be nice to you. And that's the and that's the, the the point. You know, just be nice to people. Don't be an asshole. That's it.
0: Good advice for life in general, but also for moving to Vietnam. Don't be an asshole. That's definitely, definitely good. Now this one is it can be a contentious question. For you, what do you think is the difference
1: between an expat and an immigrant? So I think the uh, the biggest uh, difference between expat and immigrant are the purpose. So an expat, the purpose is to come to a country and work and be there for a while until the next destination is shown in their map. The in intentions of immigrant is that only choose a country to live there, to be there, and to find a work, a job there, and stay there. So, immigrant, I guess, is like some uh, 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 the types of people that more likely become our people. And expat will always be expat. You leave yeah like it's a wife and a girlfriend you know
0: yeah (laughs) so if you're an expat it's like being a girlfriend and if it's an immigrant it's like being a wife that is a great way to put it I like that (laughs) now this is my favorite question I've ever asked on this podcast if Vietnam was a person how would you describe them
1: A bit now as a person, I'm pretty sure it's a she. Yeah, that's what everyone says, yeah. Yeah, she, <laughs> a she and yeah, I'm sure it's a she and she's quite spicy, but she's also like super open-minded. She's like very outgoing and she's probably going to be like a sauna that she know like when she needs to chill out. She put a joy in her mouth and she chills.
0: Awesome. You know, yeah. nearly everyone that's been on this season so far has said it's definitely Vietnam would be a she. So it's obviously a very... But it, because Vietnam is though very matriarchal, right? Like the women rule the roost. Vietnamese women are so strong. They're so powerful. Um, so I definitely can see that. And you're the second person to say it's would be... Vietnam would be a spicy person as well. So yeah, awesome. As you start to like conjure up this image in your head of like what what of what that person would look like if Vietnam was a country. It's awesome. Well, Fung, thank you so so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Can you please tell anyone listening more about Twist Cafe? We didn't even say the address. Where can they find you? Tell them more about your amazing cocktails. I need to come back in soon for another cocktail. Tell the people where to find it. Go.
1: All right. So Twist Coffee is at 88 Song Tui, housing district 2. And the reason why you have to come there is because it's fun, it's charismatic, just like me, and it has nice owner, nice staff, nice drink. And the drink that I recommend you try is vegan wine Russian. It's great. It's, it's vegan. So it's good it's for fabulous. everybody and it can also make you drunk. <laughs>
0: so what is it, what's a vegan white Russian almond milk?
1: So usually like the white, white Russian, it's going it to have cream in it. Right. So we didn't put cream in it. We put coconut cream, coconut milk in it. And I just pimp it up a little bit. And coconut milk is actually going really well with the calor, with the coffee in the cocktail. That's right. It's something you should order.
0: All right. Well, Fung, I got something to do right now, but once I'm finished, I'm going to hopefully stop by Twist Cafe this afternoon and have that. Anytime
1: coffee.
0: Play. I'll hopefully see you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Fung, and I will thank see you, you soon. Cheers. All bye. right. Thank
1: you. Have a good day. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of a Vietnam podcast by Seven Million Bites. We hope you enjoy hearing our guest stories. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much to Lewis Wright who made the 7 Million Bikes music and continues to support us in every way. Also to our audio engineer, Luke Digweed for making sure each episode sounds amazing for you. Also a big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community. Thank you so much, it's amazing to get to know you guys. It's amazing to see how much we're growing and I look forward to seeing you at our next event. You can join the community today. The link is in the description of the show. You'll get free tickets to 7 million bikes events episodes before anyone else and extra special bonus content only for you and invites to special member only events you will also obviously be providing massive support so that we can keep sharing people's stories with you on a Vietnam podcast also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and remember we have seven seasons of stories to share with you so check them out if you haven't already and we hope you can listen to future episodes too so you can laugh connect and discover. Cheers! I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider or you-know-who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and 3 months free when you go to my link nordvpn.com/smb Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.